Hello, everyone. You are here with Ginny and Tash, and we are Riding in the Weeds, a show where we talk about ways that you can get stuck in the weeds in life and how through our experience of coaching, biking, working with horses, animals, and people, along with running our own businesses, and just basically being humans in this world, we have found great ways to move through the weeds, back out the other side, so that you can find some more weeds. Last episode, we talked about what Ginny does with her animal communications, and we worked with my dog, Tiaki. This week, we are diving into a little bit of bike coaching. So Ginny has been on the journey of cycling, and over her journey, I have been giving her advice and little coaching tips. So what we thought we'd do is have a conversation and share some of that information with you guys today on the episode. So if you are a budding cyclist, if you are a mountain biker, or if you're just interested in hearing a little bit of coaching and how it relates to life, getting in the weeds, out of the weeds, and just our mindset when we're doing things that are challenging, stay tuned. And this is going to be a super fun episode. So Ginny, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tosh. How are you? I am doing awesome. So what I would like to do here is we're just going to start with some questions around your biking experience. I want to just get a sense of where you've come from, where you are now, and where you want to go. And if there's any kind of interesting points about yourself in terms of your body, and more importantly, your mindset, things that have maybe tripped you up and that get caught when you are out riding your bikes. Yeah. If you've been hanging around the podcast for a while, you might know that I am an adult learner to riding bikes. So I had a lot of surgery as a kid. I had medical issues and I was not able to do that. So I kind of learned at one point and then never really did anything with it. So learning to ride a bike has truly been something that has been a full adult experience. And I've talked quite a bit about that in past episodes here and there of my experience and having to break things down for myself and take as small steps as possible. And I'm excited about how much I can do now. This was the first time I had ridden in probably two months, I think. It was kind of cool that despite the fact that I haven't even ridden my bike trainer in my house, I felt better riding. I felt stronger, I felt more stable, I felt the bike more under me rather than me being influenced by the bike's motion, which is a cool experience. So I am happy to say that I've gained a lot of ground, but I'm looking for more stability. I know already that I come into this with some left-right balance challenges. My left leg is weaker than my right leg. So that's something that I want to work on. I notice that sometimes when I'm swinging into a turn, I tend to wobble a little. I'll get partway into it and then there's a little wiggle. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I feel like I'm recovering okay. Some guidance and direction on just getting more solid in my skills. Right now we do two to three mile rides depending on where we're going there. Not completely flat, but mostly flat. We usually ride down at the beach, so it's hilly dunes and stuff like that. But I'd like to be able to go longer. So increasing stamina and distance, which I am sure improving the efficiency of my riding will help with that. So that's what I'm looking for. Okay, awesome. All right. So I just want to recap a few things that we've touched on and then we'll dig in. The biggest thing as an adult learner 
actually as a kid as well, is really being able to find that balance for yourself, right? It wasn't just me that gave her the suggestion, but taking those pedals off and turning your bike into a strider bike is such a incredibly cool tool that you can do. Feels kind of crazy. The thing is, our brain thinks that the balance comes from the bike. And the truth is that that you create in anything in life, like when you are standing up on the ground, you create your balance. You are the reason why you don't fall over. So if you can ground yourself in your body, then you're able to create that balance. So the first thing that we really want to do at any level of biking is rethink this process. So you want to be like, my balance comes from me and my bike's balance comes from my bike. And if my bike is balanced and I'm balanced, then we're dancing as a team, right? Whereas if you're on the dance floor and you're holding on super tight to your partner, you're going to stand on their toes, you're going to trip over them, you're going to fall. And I think generally in life, if we can hold our own balance, then anything that we come into contact with, we're able to work with it independently. And if something happens on the other side of it, whether it's another person or a bike or an animal, if we're balanced to start with, then we're able to shift and move. And there isn't this need to hold on really tightly, right? So when we're talking about our bike, again, take the pedals off, find your balance. And then you take big pedal strokes and you let the bike roll and you let yourself be in that balanced state and find that pendulum, find out where the balance comes from. So whether you're on the road, whether you're on a paved path, there's a twig, there's things that get onto the the path. Or if you're on a mountain bike trail where there's rocks and roots and all sorts of stuff coming at you, you're able to ride the trail and not ride the bike, ride the road, not ride the bike. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, is that concept of looking where you're going seeing what's coming up and riding the trail and you putting yourself, you putting your body in the position that it needs to be so that it is being directed. And then the bike just kind of happens underneath you. And it sounds like that was super helpful for you in this last experience. Yeah, totally. So I was able to get more stable for sure. And we've also had some conversations. I think one of the other things I struggle with a little bit is knowing when and how to use my gears. And I still forget which way to go sometimes. Like I'll click something and I'm like, whoa, that is not helpful. And I have to go back the other way and figure out what I'm doing. So I'm getting more facile with that. We had a conversation about how to work through some of those challenges and get more power more quickly. And that was really useful. But yeah, taking the pedals off was huge in the beginning. It gave me the ability to break down the task. And for my nervous system, that is one of the biggest things I can do is break something down into tiny pieces that are separate and then recombine them. I think it was only like one ride. And then I put the pedals back on and was like, oh, okay, this is fine. With each ride, especially some of the parks we ride in, they have street crossings and things. So you're having to stop and start. And that's really helpful in just practicing doing it. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, totally. You said breaking things down into pieces and then putting them back together. I just want to jump into that because that is a really cool comment. When we're riding our bike, I often think about fear as like a three-year-old. They have these super cool seats that they have created for the three-year-old to ride on the front of the bike. So you put your three-year-old on this little seat, you 
buckle them in and you take them for a bike ride. Now, if you were to take your three-year-old, never been on a bike before, never ridden on the front of mom and dad's bike, like the kid is completely not in control of this situation. You stick him there and you go find even the green mountain bike trail and you ride it as fast as you possibly can. Like, do you think that kid is ever going to want to come mountain biking with you or get on your bike ever again, right? Or you you put them on your road bike and you go down the steepest hill as fast as you possibly can. That kid is going to be scarred for life. They are never going to go biking with you again, right? However, if you put that kid on that bike and you go and you ride around the neighborhood nice and gentle and you point out the fruit trees and you wave at the neighbors and you very gently start to introduce being on that bicycle, very, very quickly, what you're going to find is that kid is going to start being like, go faster, go faster, go faster. Let's do that trail. Let's do that. I want to go faster. Because you've introduced the pieces slowly. First, you introduce being on the bike. Second, you introduce that the kid is safe on the bike, that it's balanced, that they're not going to fall off. Then you add a little bit of speed. Next thing you do is you add a little bit of challenge. You add a little bit more speed. You add a little bit more challenge. And as we build it up, that fear, that little three-year-old inside of your brain is going to start to ask for the next thing. So when I'm teaching biking, what I've noticed is if we're doing something challenging and there's five different things to the success of riding down the trail, it's like, okay, so we're going to ride this piece of trail and I just want you to ride it and I want you to just observe how everything feels. I want you to look ahead and see how looking ahead affects the way that you're riding this trail and the come back and we talk about that experience. Then the next one is like, okay, I want you to think about your balance. I want you to think about where your feet are on the pedals. And I want you to think about how how fast or slow you're going. I don't want you to change anything. Just be aware of where your body is on the bike, where you're looking, and what you're doing with the brakes. And then they come back. We talk about it. Okay, now I want you to think about when you're coming into the corner, I want you to brake a little bit before the corner and then let the bike roll through the corner. And then I want you to brake on the other side of the corner if you feel like you need to adjust on the other side. So they do that. We come back. And then it's like, okay, I want you to go into the corner. I want you to look ahead. You're letting the bike roll. And I want you to just think about where the body position is, where the bike is underneath you. And look ahead and see if you can see that jump coming. <laughs> and It's like they come back to me and they're like, my bike, like I was rolling my bike underneath me. And what you find is that the brain starts suggesting the thing that I'm about to teach you, the thing that needs to be done. And instead of you being like, oh, lean the bike over in the corner, if you're breaking through a bermed corner on a mountain bike or even on a trail, if you are breaking the whole time, there is no way your brain, that three-year-old kid, is ever going to suggest that you lean your bike over because braking and leaning your bike at the same time is a recipe for absolute disaster. It's not going to work. So if we can put those little baby steps in and if you're looking where you're going and you're putting yourself on the trail, the brain's like, oh, there's a corner coming up. We need to be standing up. We need to be leaning our bike over. We need to let the, we need to brake before we get there. We need to let the bike roll through and we're going to brake on the other side. And there starts to be this relationship of trust 
that that happens in that space of taking the one step at a time. When I'm teaching people the four different positions the body needs to be on the bike, I don't start with cornering. I don't start with telling people that they need to lean their bike over to the side. I don't start with rotating of the hips because if I did, I would have to do a lot more teaching. If I start with, okay, there's up and down, there's forward and back, there's side to side, and then there's rotation. And when you introduce those pieces in that order, by the time they get to rotation, it's very easy to incorporate the side to side. But if I hadn't taught the side to side before we get to rotation, then the pieces aren't in the right place and the things don't come together. I don't teach breaking to people before I teach them how to balance. So there's these kind of steps. And if you do it in that way, if you do anything in your life where you start at the beginning and you move through things, by the time you get to the end, it makes a lot more sense and it really works a lot better. So yeah, does that fit with the experience that you've had so far on the bike? Yeah, definitely. I did a lot of parking lot riding before I I even got out and went anywhere. And almost all the trails are fairly basic, like I said, fairly flat. Some are paved, some are just a stone dust packed surface. I think a lot of it for me is just the time, is just doing it. Spending that time, getting the hours in. One of the videos I sent you, I was laughing because I'm coming down the trail and I asked Ed to video me so we could share this. And I realized as I'm approaching him that he's standing in the corner that I almost wiped out on the first time I wrote it. And I'm like, of course you would video me here where I'm already a little bit charged thinking about what's coming. But through our conversations that we had already had about how you corner and approaching and slowing down ahead of time and things, it was fine. It was totally, totally fine. And I did not hit the holly bush again, but it was funny that my brain wanted to worry about it. And I was like, no, we just go through the steps. We slow down, we handle it ahead of time. We go to the outside of the turn and it was great. I had no problems. So having those little mental checklists as I'm moving through the trails is really helpful to be able to handle the next thing coming. And I think one of our next big challenges is to go out on some different trails to hit some longer distances and explore some new territory where I'm gonna put those skills to the test because I don't know the terrain. We have a number of trails now that we've been on that we already know the terrain pretty well. So I know where the turns are. I know where the holly bush is now and I can avoid it a little bit easier than this time. But having that fresh ground where I have to pay attention a little more and be a little bit more prepared, it's nice to put those skills to the test. Yeah, I love, there's a few things in there. So first of all, one of the big things I really love to teach people is focus on what you need to do to succeed versus focusing on how you're going to fail. I have come across it so many times when we've been standing on a trail and I look at my students and I'm like, okay, how are you going to get through this corner? We've got so many different types of personalities, right? And you have that person that's like, well, I'm going to approach here. I'm going to break there. I'm going to hit that rock. And then I'm going to go flying into that bush right there. And it's like, yeah, so you are 100% focusing on how you are going to fail. Now, what if we flip that around and we instead go, okay, what are the steps? How can I succeed? Well, I'm going to approach this corner. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to see that it's quite a steep corner. There's a rock. I need to avoid that rock because I don't want to hit that tree. 
And we instantly bring ourselves out of focusing on how we're going to fail. A lot of people are always like, what's the best line? When you are trying to find the best line, you are trying to figure out how not to fail. When you look at how you can enter strong and exit strong, what you find is as you're approaching whatever it is, you're thinking about, okay, I need to slow down here. And then as I get to the corner, I'm going to twist my hips. I'm going to look out of the corner. And as soon as you enter, what your brain does is it starts to look for the exit because it's in the situation. And now all it wants to do is get the hell out of that situation, right? So that's where it's like, oh my, okay, I need to find my exit out of here. And you will then find the strong exit as opposed to coming into it, looking for the line that's going to get you through it. Your brain is like, yeah, well, the best line to get us through this is to dive into the holly bush, or maybe we should just get off and walk, right? So it's, your brain will react to whatever cues you give it. And so if we can give it the steps to succeed, then we don't focus on the ways that we can fail. That's a universal rule that biking has taught me. And then what's really cool with that is that it means that now you can take yourself and you can be like, I am an intermediate cyclist. I can confidently ride trails that look like this. These are the trails I ride at home. These are the trails I feel comfortable on. So therefore, I can now take this skill set and I can put it on any trail anywhere because I'm always looking where I'm going. I am always looking at how I can succeed. And everything just becomes a different version of what you've already done before. So there's now no longer this fear that something that you've not dealt with is going to come up. And then as we progress through that, we start to get better because we're adding challenges and we're not really noticing them because all we do is we come to a new challenge and we're like, how do I succeed through this one? And that is how we progress without feeling like we're pushing our comfort zones beyond that fraying point where everything kind of falls apart. Instead, you're just moving. And if you get to something where you're like, I don't know the steps to success here, then my favorite thing to teach is how to get off and walk. You don't get off and walk and get mad that you're walking your bike and you're not making it through that thing. You get off and you walk your bike like you'd ride it. Okay, so if I was on my bike, I would brake a little bit here and I'd roll the bike to the right so it goes around that little rock and then I would look over here and I would direct myself out and then I would let the bike roll. Each time you come to a challenging piece and you walk it like you'd ride it, eventually you're going to get to those challenges and your brain's going to think that it's ridden it all along and you'll just do it, right? As we progress, we just take those pedals off, right? And we bring ourselves down a notch so that we're able to take one step back, which enables us to do three steps forward, as opposed to taking three steps forward or one step forward and taking three steps back as we lose all our confidence. Does that make sense and give you a little bit of a... Well, yeah, you know what? Doing those new trails will be no problem at all. That's why we have trail ratings, right? And they're trying to make them universal, which is very difficult because every place is slightly different. Yeah, yeah. uh, If we can trust the trail systems, then we can trust ourselves and trust those steps and those systems that we've built up. And trusting yourself on the bike is so important. So let's just dive into a bit of nitty gritty here. We had a conversation recently about gearing. And one of the big things that we touched on during that conversation was people overpedal and they overbrake. 
So the key to success here is brake less, pedal less. And what overpedaling does, if you're going into a downhill and you're pedaling, your gearing will be all off, right? Because you need to be pedaling down the hill, which means you get to the bottom of the hill and you start pedaling up the other side and you're in too hard of a gear. Now, if as you're cruising along, you're in a good cruisy gear, you start going downhill a little bit, if you let the bike run and you stop pedaling, you don't have to brake because you stop pedaling just before you're going too fast. Good body position, your feet are level, you're looking where you're going. You can see that it's going up the other side. So now we kick in lazy brain. Lazy brain wants to get as far up that other side of the hill as possible before it has to start pedaling. So we can see that we're not on a hill that's going to just run for the next 10 miles. We can see that before we are going to be going too fast, we're going to start going up the other side. So we stop pedaling right before we start going too fast. We can see that Okay, if I stop pedaling here, the amount of speed that I'm going to get to is going to allow me to coast and I'm going to get halfway up the other side of that hill before I need to start pedaling. And the gear that I am currently in is going to work perfectly for that. If it's not, that hill's a bit steep. You might actually change down a gear before you stop pedaling. Allow yourself to coast. Now, here's the key point. Don't start pedaling at the bottom of the hill when your momentum is going faster then it will be if you just coasted up the other side. And this is a mistake that like 99% of people make because their brain is looking at the incline of the hill going, oh shoot, I'm about to go up the other side. So therefore I need to start pedaling. No, you don't. You're not there yet. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the coasting until you get to the point where you need to start pedaling. And if you can coast through the bottom of that hill or the bottom of that transition, The first pedal stroke you take has all the power in it. So now you're coming up the other side, you've got all this momentum, you take a pedal stroke and instantly you're already moving with speed and power. You find that you need to change gear, that's fine. Take a couple of strong pedal strokes, pause for an instant as you click that lever and then pick up and start pedaling again. Don't click the lever and pedal really hard at the same time. Because then it'll make a horrible noise. You can break chains. You put massive strain on your drivetrain. But if you just take a little bit of a pause, so a little bit of power before, change that gear, keep that power going. Again, if you take that first pedal stroke at the bottom where you are moving faster, then you will go when you start pedaling. You lose all of that energy, all that power. We all understand physics. We understand the power of energy. We want to take that energy with us up the hill. We don't want to dump it at the bottom of the hill. Because when you dump it at the bottom of the hill, you now have to regenerate it. And a lot of the time, people think they're not fit enough. They think they're not strong enough. They think they don't have enough endurance. And honestly, at the end of the day, so much of that is over-braking, over-pedaling, and timing is off. So when you get to the bottom of that incline, you start pedaling. And really, if you just waited a couple of instances and started pedaling as you went back up, your fitness suddenly goes to the next level because you're using the energy versus dumping that energy out. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I know the big thing that helped me a lot with that was the whole conversation that we had around 
how to use the, the big gears on the front. I have three and I ride all the way up in three and almost all the way up in the gears in the rear a lot of the time because it's not that difficult. And so then I hit a tricky spot where I suddenly have some slopes and I'm trying to fight to get the power back. But you told me to jump from the third down to the second in the middle and that that'll instantly give you more power as long as you're all the way up and the gears in the back. And that helped tremendously. And I think that's one of my things that I just need to practice more. Some of the trails are a little tricky because we don't necessarily have like downhill, uphill. It's like uphill, flat, downhill, flat. <laughs> uphill flat. So there's not always an opportunity to use momentum, but I know that's always on my mind is like, how can I do less while I'm doing this so that I can keep going so that I don't burn out in the middle. Most of the time we know about the distance of the trail. A lot of the maps in the area are pretty good. So they tell you like, this is a three mile loop or this is a whatever. And so it's like, oh dang, I gotta be able to make it. <laughs> Like I gotta be able to make, I have to have enough left to get through to the other side. Cause especially if it's a loop or even a one way trail where you go out and back, like you gotta be able to get back to the car. And I don't really want to walk when I'm dead tired. I don't want to have to walk all the way back to the car with my bike. Cause I can't pedal anymore. Like that'd be terrible. But a lot of this also brings up the importance of fundamentals and that if really all you ever do is focus on the fundamentals, the rest takes care of itself. And it's so funny to me, the number of parallels between riding bikes and riding horses, because the same is true. And I have to laugh when you're talking about getting off and walking, because you can actually walk with a horse. And when you both know the cues, even though you are walking on the ground, you can put your body in the same position that you would be riding. And the horses will often respond exactly the same, even as if you're riding, even down to halting and stopping, because it's all in, ingrained and it's all part of balance at that point. You're not putting your body in a position, you're using the balance to help achieve what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about gear, so one of the things with mountain biking that we've done over the last few years is that we've just eliminated this whole conversation about the front gear and the back gears because we just went to single speed. The more advanced of mountain bikers, the less complication with gears that we have, we've kind of just gone, you know what, we've just got one cog at the front and 11 of them at the back and we just run up and down the back. So that's another conversation we won't go too deep into. But what Jenny was talking about was when you've got two or three cogs up front and then you've got anywhere from six to 11, 12 cogs at the back with your drivetrain. So when you have two or three cogs up at the front there, you are able to change things around. So most of the time you want to be in that middle one. And then when you're wanting to go faster, you're on a flat piece of road, you're road bike, same thing, right? You're on a flat piece of road and you want to be able to go faster and you're in your highest gear at the back. All you have to do is change up into that higher cog and suddenly you've gone from being in gear let's say you've got 12 at the back three at the front so you're going to be in gear 24 now you've gone to gear 36 and like one swift motion and you're off and then you can move down through those gears to adjust but suddenly there's a hill coming all you have to do is dump that front gear down into the middle and perfect it's now easier for you so there's a slight incline you're good to go and then say you're in like your 36th gear 
you now drop down to your 24th gear and we're cruising along and the hill's going to get steeper. So now you want to start chopping down in those back gears, bringing yourself into the middle. So now you're in like gear 18. At gear 18, get steeper. Again, now you can dump yourself into your easiest, the smallest gear at the front. And now you've got another six gears. And now you're riding in six gears. So then you can ch start chopping down into that first easiest gear. And then the key I'd like to say here is that you really don't want to use one and one. So, and when you're out cycling, that sort of thing, even using two and one is better than being in one and one because one and one is for that moment where you are like, I'm pooped. I need to be able to drop that gear. And how this relates to mountain biking is you don't use your granny. Whenever you're riding uphill, the best thing to do is to always be in second gear or sometimes third gear and train yourself to be able to ride so again if you've got um, a small gear up the front being in your middle cog up front and being in one or two kind of relates to the same thing as being in your single speed and being in two or three train yourself to ride up the hill in that second easiest gear and i guarantee you you will get where you're going faster you will get where you're going with less gassing out, which I know makes no sense, but that easy, easy gear, you don't go anywhere. So you generally put more effort in than you actually achieve any results for. So most people find that if they ride and granny up a hard mountain bike trail, they actually end up walking more than if they ride and granny in second. The amount of times I've done pedaling efficiencies with people and they've gone to the top and been like, I've never ridden all the way to the top before that. I never make that corner. And yet I was in a harder gear and I thought it was the harder gear that was going to make it harder. But in fact, it gave me the resistance. Biking is all about power and resistance. And when we get our power and resistance ratios right, getting up and around that corner on that uphill suddenly works because when you get more resistance, you add more power right? When there's less resistance, you have less power. And if you can think about that in terms of everything, more resistance, more power, less resistance, less power, life will be way easier. You'll break less, you'll pedal less. When there's resistance in your life and you're doing hard things and you're stuck in the weeds, add some power. I'm Tash and you can find me on Instagram at Betty Gohard. And if you'd like to download a copy of the goddess experience worksheet go to bettygohard.com forward slash goddess experience download the goddess experience is all about defining life on your terms creating the experience that you want to have versus the one that you get so the worksheet will walk you through defining those terms celebrating the wins that you've already had and then creating that future vision and then there's some steps to really create the actions that you need to take in order to get you there. So go check it out. I'm Jenny of Soul Pet Connections. I'm an animal communicator and energy healer for animals and their people too. If you'd like to deepen your relationship with your pet or just learn about those quirky things that they do, you can find me on the web at soulpetconnections.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Soul Pet Connections. 
So thank you all so much for joining us today as we picked apart my bike rides. I look forward to hearing from you all. Please like, comment, and subscribe. We would love to have some feedback. If you have any topics for us or questions, we certainly welcome them. So you can find us on all major podcast platforms and ridingintheweeds.com.